And it is time for midday here on this October 21st. Tyler Cavalli along with you. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan in just a moment. But as we always do, we have to start with our own Susan Littlefield to get a preview of what is to come. Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. I'll kick everything off at 1219 as I speak with Helena Chemical Agronomist Dave Warner. He talks about some field preps and things we need to do with this dry weather as we head into fall and early winter. Alex will step in at 1245 on a UNL student that has written a book. And then Shaley wraps up everything at 117 with Bobby Chris Wickham of the FSA office here in Nebraska. That's a look at the midday from the farm team. Thank you very much, Susan. Let's turn it over to sports, our own Jason Jorgensen. Well, here's the least bit surprising news. Uh, the Dodgers' bats, they're really good. Yeah, they are, and I'm a little surprised Tampa Bay struggled last night. It shouldn't like a home field environment for them with just 11,000 people there at the game. Boy, what a shot. What a shot. And Goodness. is it wrong? You're not wrong. No, the truth does hurt. Uh, so, yes, yeah, Dodgers won. They might have found their groove now. Yeah, I think so. Pitching, hey, at least Clayton Kershaw came uh, and was his old self in the playoffs. He didn't so good to see that. bit last night. Mm-hmm. But uh, Game 2 is set for uh, tonight, so we'll preview that. Also, we'll talk about the Husker defense. Of course, they, they need to be improved in a lot of areas this year, especially for the Huskers to have some success in the first month of the season. But we'll hear from defensive coordinator Eric Chenander. Uh, Nebraska's not had a lot of impact players at that outside linebacker position in a while. They hope a couple of young guys will step up and be ball players for them this fall. I also, and I know this has been discussed before, but there was no depth chart that was released. Uh, a lot of people say that was on purpose to not give Ohio State an advantage. Does it really matter for Ohio State at this point? No. <laughs> not really. But if you're Nebraska, if you're almost a 30-point mm-hmm. underdog, and if you don't have to, why, sure. why put it out there? But as we've said a lot of times, a roster, stat sheet, a depth chart, Never determined any game. It does not. No. Now, if we were broadcasters and get one of those, well, yeah, that might oh, be a yeah, different story. Yeah, we'd stories. be up in arms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Greg Sharp knows the starting. I think the so chart too. For the I think, uh, I think that's right. Of course, we'll have that game of uh, right here on 880 KRV on pregame on Saturday at eight. Uh, kickoff at 11 p.m. Uh, let's turn over to Bob Brogan and midday business. Uh, stock seems to be uh, climbing just a little bit. Stocks a little bit higher as uh, the negotiations continue on more aid for the economy, though prospects remain cloudy that anything can happen soon. Also, the Justice Department tells the Associated Press that Purdue Pharma, the company that makes OxyContin, will plead guilty to three federal criminal charges uh, as part of a settlement of more than $8 billion. And uh, so that's... Uh, one of the things going on today. And uh, they're negotiating over a huge COVID-19 relief bill, Mm. and uh, that's taken a few steps forward. Uh, So we are watching that. Uh, Is that affecting stocks, whether they're going up and down, or the numbers, the stimulus package that they're talking about? Absolutely. Uh, Everything that goes on in Congress affects the stock market and and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, it's... uh, but they're negotiating over an aid package. Uh, Mitch McConnell saying uh, not so fast. Maybe we don't need to move so fast on something like this. So that's another thing going on. All right. Very interesting. Thank you very much. It is time for our daily regional ag weather update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Rinky dealer. 
Paul Perkins now joining me here in the studios. My papers go flying <laughs> everywhere. Uh, the weather today, not too shabby, but unfortunately things are going to get cooler here in the next couple of days. Yeah, definitely colder tomorrow. Very strong cold front moving through. And earlier we were thinking maybe we'll see some decent highs ahead of it. But now it looks like that cold front moving a little bit quicker than anticipated. And so the arrival of that cold air could be a little bit sooner for tomorrow. Long-term forecast. Uh, I know they're talking snow potentially this upcoming weekend and into early next week, but you and I were talking before we came on. Probably not going to be a lot of snow. No, ex- exactly. It's kind of a quick hitting system. A lot of the it's not a, a very strong system. It won't be tapping into a lot of Gulf moisture, so maybe some minor accumulations over the weekend. Still some forecast model uncertainty, so definitely something to watch in case there are some changes over the next few days. Okay, all right, something to keep an eye on. Otherwise, today, temperatures will be more seasonal, some maybe 70s even by the end of the afternoon. Exactly, yeah, by uh, tomorrow afternoon into eastern areas, just ahead of that cold front where that cold front will be a little slow to arrive. Uh, Temperatures right now in the mid to upper 40s for the most part across Nebraska and Kansas. A few locations touching at 50. We do have some showers and thunderstorms on a very scattered basis in the southeast corner of Nebraska. Otherwise, the cloud cover pretty prevalent to the south of I-80 from about uh, the Grand Island and Kearney area to McCook and then points off towards the south and southeast. That's thanks to a warm front and an area of low pressure that's lifting north across Kansas, seeing some increasing moisture with that. That'll give us some increasing clouds today and chances for drizzle and rain, mainly late today into early tomorrow. Our temperatures today about 5 to 10 degrees cooler than average, but nothing too far out of the ordinary. Tomorrow, the forecast models trending a little bit faster with the push of that strong cold front. We'll see some early daytime highs, once again about 5 to 10 degrees below average, with some falling temperatures likely during the afternoon. Once that front passes, we are expecting northwest wind gusts of 30 to 40 for the afternoon, and those could linger on into tomorrow night. A killing freeze is likely for tomorrow night through Saturday night with lows in the 20s, so make sure you drain those sprinklers and take all those precautions when that cold weather hits once again a killing freeze tomorrow night through saturday night even colder air will drop our overnight lows to the teens for sunday night and monday night chances for snow with some rain increased by saturday night with an area of low pressure that emerges from the rockies some off and on snow chances expected linger for sunday into tuesday currently just minor accumulations are possible but there's still some uncertainty with the forecast bundles with that in the long-term forecast temperature is likely to be colder than normal the early to mid part of next week in nebraska and kansas but temperatures do begin to moderate by the end of the week by late next week through the first three days of november nebraska and kansas temperatures more likely to be slightly cooler than normal to seasonal, so backing off on that cold. For precipitation, Nebraska will be drier with below normal precipitation the entire time from Monday through the first three days of November, especially for later on. Kansas will start off with above normal precipitation the early half of next week. A drier trend of below normal precipitation does take hold for Kansas by late next week through the 3rd of November. Weather factors affecting the markets include continued extreme dryness in the wheat regions of the Black Sea, And delayed but heavy rain for South America crop areas, snow has temporarily ended across the upper Midwest. There were some snowfall totals of 4 to 8 inches from Fargo to Minneapolis, St. Paul to Eau Claire in Wisconsin. Prior to that colder and stormier weather, at least 90% of the soybeans fortunately were harvested in Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, and the Dakotas. Increasingly cold weather across the nation's midsection will limit winter wheat emergence and establishment, especially in areas experiencing drought. This weekend and early next week, sub-zero temperatures will occur across parts of the northern plains while hard freezes 
extended to ex- expected to extend as far south as the northern panhandle of Texas. Russian wheat areas are forecast to see only light rain this week. That's heaviest rain so far this crop season, but the wheat crop benefit will be minimal due to the moisture's late arrival. The entire Black Sea region has rainfall deficits of 80 to 90 percent below normal over the past 60 days. Central Brazil expects moderate to heavy rain this week. That points to the beginning of the rainy season. The nearly a month late start is leading to concerns over acreage totals for soybeans. There's also long-term concern over the start of the important season for second crop corn in central Brazil for the first and second quarters of next year. You're talking about uh, putting away your hoses, make sure that the drain <laughs> reminds me. I probably should put away my uh, my deck chairs as well, but I don't need those if we're getting the <laughs> nasty cold temperatures we'll have in the next 24 hours. You know, I've heard some reports that we could see some mild stretches of weather in November, so you may want to okay. hold on. Well, I won't put them away <laughs> for good. We'll just keep them maybe in the garage for now and easy access, I suppose. There you go. Uh, for more weather, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much. <laughs> As you wrap up harvest and you work those fields getting ready for 2021, if you have the option for irrigation, it might be an option you might want to look at. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Helen, a chemical agronomist, Dave Warner, and I talked about how dry it's been and how that's going to affect our fall work into spring. Susan, I tell you, we've, we've actually talked to some guys about pre-watering with pivots. You know, if we're going to put on some fertilizer or do some of that stuff going into winter, and we do have some weather that we can actually go in and some good enough weather to go in, we are actually, you know, kind of encouraging guys that maybe we ought to do a little pre-watering. It's just putting some moisture in that ground going into winter time, so we get an actual very good freeze on that ground would be a substantial benefit. Uh, you don't want to go all through winter with no moisture in the ground and have a, if we don't have any moisture, that cold can go clear, clear down and freeze pipes and freeze other things. And, you know, it's just nice if we can have some moisture in the ground and get an actually very good freeze on the ground. So next spring that that ground is tillable, if that's what you're going to do, or actually very good to get into plant because moisture wise, we are, like I said, we are in, kind of dire straits at the moment do you have any weed concerns going into this coming spring or <laughs> so oh yeah you know we we have terrible water hemp and palmer problems yet that need to be addressed and trying to address this year you know we, we had some pretty good luck on soybeans getting control with the dicama products and and a residual down with it to get uh, some good control on water hemp, but some other places we did not and have tremendous water hemp pressure that is going to have to be, you know, monitored going into spring. You know, I, my biggest thing to my customers is that we need to spray brown dirt. You know, guys don't like to spray anything until they see weeds coming up, but we can't do that anymore because water hemp come so fast and then a vengeance that if we miss the opportunity when it's small to get it killed, then we're behind the eight ball all year long trying to, you know, catch up with it to try to kill it, and that doesn't happen. Cover crops and dry weather, is that something we still need to be focused on? I'm an avid cover crop guy on irrigated because we can water it up 
you know, we have the moisture there for the benefits. And let me tell you, cover crop is great for water hemp and palmer to keep it down. There's something in that rye that it can't, that the water hemp and palmer does not compete with it very well and really keeps it to a minimal stage. But for that producer that only has dry land, is cover crops this year something they should be thinking about? I think, Susan, that, you know, a customer really needs to evaluate that a lot more than a guy with irrigated because where we are sitting with limited moisture right now and not having very much subsoil to work with at all, you know, tends me to think that I would rather like to hold off and not plant a cover crop on dry land because we need to keep all of the moisture we can right there. I know guys will tell you, we get the cover crop in and then we get moisture like a snow. We can hold, you know, a lot more moisture, but you know, we're late enough into the fall now that that's not going to happen. We're not going to get growth on that. That's Dave Warner. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Nebraska's defense, which struggled for most of last year, figures to be tested on Saturday when the Huskers open up the year at fifth-ranked Ohio State. One position where the black shirts need an outside linebacker. Defensive coordinator Eric Chenander breaks down that position. Uh, I think there's been a ton of progress, you know, and they're they're doing a lot of different things um, within the defense. When we're rotating um, from base and nickel, you know, playing some more true outside backer and then shifting to more of a defensive end role um, when we get into, you know, four down spacing. Um, so they've, they've done a lot. They've progressed a lot. I think their understanding of what they're trying to do is getting better and better each day. And, uh, you know, their, their pass rush is getting better. Kickoff on Saturday is set for 11. We will bring you the game right here on 880-KRVN. The eight-man football playoffs begin tomorrow in Class D1, 7-1 Elm Creek, hosts 6-2 Hitchcock County. Head coach Jace Doolin says the Buffaloes this year tried to play to their strengths. Against uh, Amherst, we figured some things out on offense, and uh, we've we've sticked to more of the I formation uh, instead of spreading out um, as much. With our backfield and how threat, how much of a threat they are, um, when we get a nine, we're a power football team. It's hard to stop. Kickoff tomorrow is set for seven. We will bring you that game on Cami Country on ninety-two point seven in the Elm Creek area. You also can listen in on one hundred point one on eight eighty KRVN. Should be a shootout as Highline will host Southern Valley. That game will be played in Elwood. Kicks off at seven and in Class D two, Loomis will host Layton at four. You can hear that one in the Holdridge and Phelps County area on KUVR. All of those games also can be heard at KRVN.com. And the Dodgers should have their top relievers available tonight for Game 2 of the World Series. Their bullpen should be fresh after last night they took care of Tampa Bay, winning that one 8-3. Manager Dave Roberts will try to stretch together nine innings with a flurry of arms after the Dodgers burned through most of their rotation when they had to fight from behind to close out the NL Championship against Atlanta. That is Look at Sports. For more, you can find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Yes, ballot initiative 429 would amend the Nebraska Constitution to allow gambling at licensed racetracks. Initiative 430 would then allow gambling at licensed racetracks with licensed gaming operators. 
But what many Nebraskans are looking at is Initiative 431. If voted yes, would impose an annual tax of 20% on gross gambling revenue of licensed gambling operators. The revenue would then be allocated four ways, one of which would be 70% to the property tax credit cash fund. Ho-Chunk Incorporated, the company behind the initiatives, partnered with Racetracks and CEO Lance Morgan, explains the amount of money from Nebraska that goes to surrounding casinos. About $400 million a year leaks out of Nebraska uh, to other states, and every state that touches Nebraska has some form of, of gaming in it. And and um, it really is just, it really is frustrating to be a target demographic or a target market for these other states. You know, Iowa's probably the worst abuser. Over $9 billion has gone from Nebraska into Iowa since they've opened these casinos. Morgan also says after conducting a survey, many people weren't interested in casinos on every corner, so Ho-Chunk Incorporated and the Omaha and Lincoln racetracks instead limited the initiative to be for only licensed racetracks. A third man has been charged in the shooting death of a Bellevue teenager earlier this month. The Omaha World Herald reports that 21-year-old Rashawn Faison of Council Bluffs, Iowa, was arrested Friday night and charged with first-degree murder in the October 12th death of 17-year-old Kalani Zalopani. On Monday, a Sarpy County judge ordered Faison held without bond. Two other people, 18-year-old David Snyder of Bellevue and 16-year-old male are also charged in Zalapani's death. Zalapani was found with a gunshot wound at his mother's home in Bellevue, just south of Omaha, and was declared dead at the scene. Nebraska has started imposing new coronavirus restrictions after a second straight day of record hospitalizations for the virus in the state. Nebraska also reported 11 new deaths from the coronavirus on Tuesday. The state said 565 deaths have now been linked to the virus, Data from John Hopkins University showed the rate of new virus cases in Nebraska continued to rank fifth highest in the nation Tuesday. The negative trend in virus cases prompted Republican Governor Pete Ricketts to announce several new restrictions last week that took effective Wednesday. Hospitals will now have to keep 10% of their beds free for coronavirus patients. The Lincoln County Sheriff's Office responded to a rollover accident on Tuesday, October 20th at 1.55 a.m. on the Link 56C overpass in Hershey. Upon arrival at the scene, a lone vehicle was found on its top with the lone driver of the vehicle, 21-year-old Lyle Harms of Ogallala. Harms was southbound and struck the curb, causing him to overcorrect and leave the roadway rolling several times. Harms refused medical treatment at the scene. Deputies suspected signs of alcohol impairment and tested Harms. He was arrested and taken to the Lincoln County Detention Center. Later, deputies took Harms to Great Plains for potential injuries. He was issued a citation for driving under the influence and then released. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. A recent graduate at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln just released her first book. It's called Born for a Purpose. I'm Alex Wachowski reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Oscaline Usanase graduated last May from the College of Agricultural Sciences and Natural Resources. She's from Rwanda, which is a country in East Africa, and she came to the university and Nebraska back in 2016. I was born and raised in a beautiful country called Rwanda. It's a country in East Africa, a small country. Uh, So I came to the United States in 2016 when I was coming to pursue my undergraduate at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. So 
Yeah, here I am, four years later, graduated in a global pandemic. <laughs> and um, now I'm looking forward to going to grad school next. While Oscaline was pursuing her undergrad at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, she had a few different experiences that prompted her to start writing a book. Once she decided to write a book, she had to decide what it was going to be about. When I was writing the book, I, 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 I always prayed about it. And I remember when my publisher, you know, reached out to me, they were like, um, so do you have anything written down? I'm like, I do not. <laughs> I didn't even have the title for the book. I literally had nothing. So I prayed about every single word that I wrote. I prayed about, you know, the book title. I prayed about, like, every other time I could go, like, I could sit down and write. I always prayed out, and I was like, God, whatever you want to put in this book, just put it down. I'm just here. I'm just a vessel. Use me, and I'm going to type it, you know. Some days I just had to stay up all night <laughs> writing. Other days I had to wake up in the middle of the night when something just came in, in my mind, you know. It was such a crazy process because um, most of the times I didn't know what I was going to write. And the crazy part is God used my, my failures, my lessons, my most vulnerable moments, you know, to also produce this book. Um, I would say that this book hosted everything inside of me, you know. Uh, it exposed me, it showed me um, who I really was, and it exposed me to the person I was created to be. Um, it showed me my potentials, to, you know. It, it just, like, hosted everything inside of me. And I believe that um, with all those pieces put together, and God writing, you know, his story through me. Oscaline's book is called Born for a Purpose, and she explains what this book is ultimately about. In a short summary, it's, it's divided into three, three parts, you know. Number one, it's about discovering our identity, who we are. Second, who we are. And then third, what we are here for and what we are born to do and who we are born to be. Um, so I would say this book um, is about uh, a story. There are so many of my stories. A story of a great God who saw a simple girl, me, you know, and he actually showed me who I am, who I am, and what I'm, I was born created to be. And this great God is wanting to do the same and even more actually to to everyone, to you, to anyone listening, you know, and God that great God is wanting to do the same to you, you know, help you discover who you are, your passions. And I believe that, you know, Alex, like I feel like um sometimes you know, we overlook things, you know, like we overlook our passions, we we suppress them. We there are so many things we just like ignore, 
and you were like, ah, I just want to know what I was created to be and who I was created to be, you know, and we think that it's just like a destination to know what you were created to be, you know. But it's the purpose, your purpose is seen in in the in the little things on on a daily basis that you do, in those passions that keep you awake all night, in those things you cannot get your mind your mind off, you know, when you think about it you are like just excited about and you know and it's those little desires inside of your heart that you don't even know how to explain. But like that only God knows because He gives you those desires and He He puts those desires inside of you. Oscaline says for those who read her book, if there's one thing she wants them to remember, it's this. I want them to remember that they matter and that there is a God who sees them, who hears them, who knows their cries, their pain, and who wants to transform their lives for better. Again, that's Oscaline Usanase. She is a recent graduate of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and her book, Born for a Purpose, is now available on Amazon. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Hero. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks have been pushing modestly higher as negotiations continue in Washington on more aid for the economy, though prospects remain cloudy that anything can happen soon. The S&P 500 was up six-tenths of a percent in morning trading at one point. Stocks of social media companies were leading the way after Snap reported even bigger jumps in revenue and in the number of Snapchatters than analysts expected. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said she's made some progress with the White House in talks on more stimulus for the economy. And she hopes discussions will continue. But even if they can reach a compromise, it may face stiff resistance in the Senate. Justice Department officials tell the Associated Press that Purdue Pharma, the company that makes OxyContin, will plead guilty to three federal criminal charges as part of a settlement of more than $8 billion dollars. OxyContin is the powerful prescription painkiller that experts say helped touch off an opioid epidemic. The officials say Purdue will plead guilty to three counts, including conspiracy to defraud the United States and violating federal anti-kickback laws. Negotiations on a huge COVID-19 relief bill have taken a modest step forward, though time is running out and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is pressing the White House not to move ahead. McConnell told fellow Republicans yesterday that he has warned the White House not to divide Republicans by sealing a lopsided $2 trillion relief deal with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi before the election. The White House says negotiations between Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin continue to bring modest progress, but veteran lawmakers say there is not enough time to enact a relief bill by Election Day. And J.C. Penney expects to emerge from bankruptcy protection before Christmas under a new ownership agreement that would save tens of thousands of jobs. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan. 
several important deadlines approaching for Nebraska ag producers. I am Shaylee Peters, back with you on the Rural Radio Network. And our guest today, Bobby Chris Wickham, Public Affairs Outreach Coordinator with the Nebraska USDA Farm Service Agency. Bobby, we're going to highlight some of those upcoming deadlines and programs as producers figure out eligibility and how to apply. Let's talk about that first one coming up here at the end of the month. It's October 30th for the WIP Plus program. Right. Um, the wild, it's the Wildfire Hurricane Indemnity Program Plus or WIP Plus. Um, and the deadline uh, for applications for that was recently announced and it's October 30th. So we're getting real close to that deadline to apply for this disaster related assistance. Um, you know, it's this program. Uh, ad hoc program that was made available to producers who um, had losses due to natural disaster in in 2018 and 2019 and you know it's it's mainly for commodity and hay crops that were impacted um, by disasters including flooding tornadoes excessive moisture and related conditions so you know last year was a really challenging year for our crop producers um, and so if if you've not previously contacted your county office about WIP Plus, um, now is the time to do so, so that we can get in uh, ahead of that October 30th deadline. When, when you call, though, producers need to be ready to discuss, you know, the disaster event that caused the loss and the approximate date of the event, what crops were impacted, and then you know, field location of those impacted crops and. That'll help us begin the process to review whether you would qualify. And then that second deadline, not too far behind the first one, November 2nd deadline for our organic producers. Yeah, it's the organic certification cost share program. So, you know, for producers that are organic um, certified, uh, for the certification expenses that they incurred between October 1 of last year and September 30th of this year, you know, they can receive some cost share assistance for those certification expenses. And the deadline to um, apply for that assistance is November 2nd. So again, right around the corner for those um, who are organic producers across the state. And we have more of those than you would think, you know, that's uh, still a growing, still a growing sector. And so, um, so yeah, November 2nd for, for that cost share assistance. And then finally, uh, November 16th, already creeping up on us, our fall acreage reporting. Right. Um, you know, if you have fall seeded crops, we, we just want you to remember that acreage certification um, deadline is coming. It's November 16th. And so, you know, acreage certification, it's a requirement um, in order to help maintain eligibility for safety net programs like um, ag risk coverage and price loss coverage um, for our commodity crops. So uh, it's important, you know, if you have those fall seeded crops to get with your county FSA office and get that certification done by that November 16th deadline. And as with all of these programs, Bobby, there's always a lot of information available. Where's the best place for producers to find a lot of that information? There's two um, good resources for that. The farmers.gov website, Um, At the state level, we try to work hard to keep updates on the front page, and that is fsa.usda.gov slash ne. Thanks so much, Bobby Chris Wickham, our guest again today, Public Affairs Outreach Coordinator with the Nebraska USDA FSA. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, we not able to clinch seven straight sessions where it was able to move higher, but the fact that it only closed a penny means that the weather bull might still have some play in this market? Unfortunately, we have lost John Payne. Apologize for that connection, but John Payne not with us here this afternoon, having some technical issues there. Uh, well, we do see the grains mi- close mixed here across the board, but wheat in Kansas City specifically will close three quarters lower to one and a quarter lower there across the entire board. Uh, with that as well, in the Chicago wheat December and March will close three quarters to two and a quarter lower. Now, the wheat started to turn here at the midday. That's as those noon forecast models start to show a little bit more moisture potential coming out across the U.S. hard red winter wheat. Also helping out the wheat and really the general grain complex in general was the U.S. dollar index today. Currently, as we speak, down 50 ticks to 92.54. Now, the dollar index is weighted as a basket of other currencies weighted against the U.S. dollar. The heaviest of that weight goes out to the euro, which saw similar uh, percentage-type moves up against the dollar. When you look at emerging currencies that are really important to the U.S., uh, grains and export potentials like the Russian ruble, like uh, the Mexican peso or the Argentinian peso, which is still doing very poor. They didn't have quite the same move up today as the euro did. So the movement in the U.S. dollar index today, not quite as important. As we take a look here in the currency trade, again, we see the U.S. dollar index down nearly half a percent today, while we see the Brazilian real down half a percent. The Russian ruble, though, is coming back around this afternoon's trade now up 0.75 percent. So a little bit of back and forth there on the currency trade trying to help. The weather bull is still helping out, uh, definitely with the soybeans, uh, with the fact that there may be enough delay in that South American planting. Now the fact they are getting rain, the uh, Pantera region of Brazil now up to 32% of their soybeans are planted. So with that moving in, uh, they're going to get the the soybean crop in. It's going to have more than likely they'll have enough time for their next round of corn. But with that, it's going to delay their overall marketing ability of those crops. So that could give, once we get into January and February, typically when China starts switching back to South American beans, they may have to stick with the U.S. out through the first part, uh, maybe even the first part of March, given the fact that they got that soybean crop in so late in parts of Brazil and Argentina. As for the corn, we get out ethanol data here today. We saw stocks fall in the U.S. while production uh, fell as well, back down to 913,000 barrels. Uh, so overall, not the greatest news there for the corn, but corn still looking as that's where the money flow kind of wants to go with some of these funds coming in. Again, we're trying to talk with John Payne, Daniels Ag Marketing. You can learn more at their website, danielsagmarketing.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Midday. If you miss anything, you can go back and listen to our Midday podcast, which is sponsored by Deveni Motors, and that can be heard on krvn.com and iTunes.